0: Welcome in to the WISports.net podcast. I'm Travis Wilson, General Manager at WISports.net, and your host for the WSN podcast. We've made it. We've made it to the postseason, the playoffs, the culminating event, whatever you want to call it here as we close out the high school football season. We all know that it's not quite the same. It's not a full bracketed tournament. We've known that was going to be the case for a while. It's taken some people a little bit longer to accept that or realize that or understand that perhaps, but, uh, we are into what we thought it was going to be, um, this postseason of a very different season of high school football. Not unexpectedly, there has been some games, there have been some games, excuse me, that have been impacted already, uh, a few that have, have come out today, um, a few that got impacted not because of COVID. We'll talk a little bit about that a little bit later, but uh, we're, we're into it. We're going to see some some postseason games of, of some kind, however you want to refer to it. We're going to see them this week. And before we get to that, before we talk a little bit about some of these games this week, I want to go back to last week and that final Friday night of the regular season this year, which was, of course, much later than most Final regular season nights almost a month later than what we normally see, uh, is is I had a chance to go up to the WIAA office on Friday night uh, for the first time uh, and actually observe and and partake in that process. Went up as a representative of the Wisconsin Football Coaches Association, where I'm on the executive board. Uh, Every year, the WFCA has a couple uh, members or executive board members that go up to the WIA offices and just provide some additional eyes and ears on, on the process to help out, provide some, some feedback, um, you know, just give some uh, additional thoughts and then have another set of eyes kind of review some things, um, not, you know, directly involved in, uh, Breaking up teams—that's that's the biggest part of it—is is drawing those regional groups. Not not involved in doing that directly, but doing uh, involved in advising on that and, and again providing some feedback. Um, so I just want to walk a little bit through what that night was like, how it was different from uh, from a regular year would be, and uh, just provide some some insight on how that process works because I know there's a lot of people that had some questions. Um, there's people that have questions every single year about why they ended up where they did or, or how they got the seed that they got or whatever the, the, the issue might be, um, but just provide a little bit of insight on how it worked. And, and a lot of it was what I had, had known before from talking to a lot of people that have been involved in the process and talking with Dr. Uh, Wade Lebecki from the WIAA over the years and Todd Clark and uh, Dave Anderson and, and again, uh, several of the uh, WFCA people that have been up there. I mean, I, I had a pretty good understanding of how it worked, but it was interesting to be there and, and see it all unfold. So, uh, first of all, I had a chance to go to a couple games on Friday, which was uh, which was very nice. The afternoon matinee between Muskego and Hudson uh, at Sauk Prairie High School, which ended up not being much of a contest, especially considering it was a couple of top three teams in Division One. but Muskego dominated that one throughout there was no question who was the better team and and it was a a resounding victory for muskego 54 to 7 i think was the final in that one and then i uh, made my my way north went to scandinavia uh, a town i'd never been to before for uh, a game or any other reason um, and watched iola scandinavia as they hosted assumption and pretty similar story there A couple solid teams, but Assumption was no match for Iola-Scandinavia in that one. Iola was up 28-0 at the end of the first quarter, up 44-0 at halftime. Parker Prawl, the outstanding junior uh, quarterback for Iola-Scandinavia, had, uh, I I think it was uh, over 250 or maybe it was over 300 yards, close to 350, in the first quarter alone. He broke off a number of big runs. Um, was six for seven, passing the ball, hit for a, a big play in the passing game, and uh, it was it was lights out pretty early. Yeah, Iola Scandinavia da- uh, dominated that one. So after that, headed to the WIA office, which is about 25 minutes away from uh, from Scandinavia. Uh, got there, uh, it was a quarter to 10, 10 o'clock, something like that, that I got to the WIA office, and when I got there, they were in the process of wrapping up, uh, collecting scores for the night. It's kind of a hurry-up-and-wait process, just like it is when when we do uh, this normally on our final Friday night of the regular season, where we break it all down and determine the playoff field and usually publish it out before the WIA has. But uh, you know, it's, it's hurry-up-and-wait. You, you've got to wait for teams to submit their final scores as they come in. You've got to wait for games to be done. Got to wait for that process to happen, and uh, just as as we have some frustration sometimes with uh, with scores not reported or, or waiting on scores or not being able to find something, same thing at the WIA office. They were uh, calling around, calling some people, trying to find scores. We were able to help out with some of those. Um, you know, a few of the scores that they were missing ended up being games that were canceled or postponed. Uh, one or two of them were were moved to uh, to Saturday. But that information had not been updated by the the schools at that time, so we were able to help uh, facilitate that process a little bit. Um, you know, coming into the the week, um, it was kind of interesting because we knew that obviously there were going to be less teams um, in the play. You know, in the playoff pool, the the potential pool, because a number of teams had gone to the spring, and because some teams were. Uh, thinking about opting out or, or doing something different or, or were not be uh, would not be able to play. Uh, but as of midweek last week still, there were, uh, according to the WIAA, 240 teams that were in the playoff pool. They were anticipating that they'd probably have to run the the regular criteria to figure out the last few teams that would not make it. Um, I said all, all along I, I would be a little bit surprised if there ended up being 224 teams in And sure enough, as the week went along, later in the week, we started to get word of a number of teams opting out um, during the day on Thursday, a number during the day on Friday, and then even sitting at the WIA office, there were a couple teams that opted out later in the the day into the evening. There was uh, a team wavering on whether they were going to be in or out at 11 o'clock on Friday night as the WIA is trying to determine what they're going to be doing and, and how they're going to be breaking teams up. Um, the team said, "Well, we'll be in if uh, you can tell us who we can play." And and the WI said, "Well, you can't. We can't tell you who you're going to play until you commit to being in." And so, uh, rather than going back and forth, they just decided, "You know what? Uh, that you know that team's not going to be in uh, considered in the pool," and uh, kind of move forward from there. Um, with this year being a little bit crazy, uh, there was some confusion and in, in some you know, inconsistency a little bit in terms of how schools were reporting forfeits and canceled games during the year. Uh, we had not really been putting in those games as as victories or forfeit victories for one team or the other because we weren't 100% sure if that was going to be the case. It was hard to determine if a game was supposed to be a conference game because there were some, some leagues that got moved around a little bit and, and it was uncertain if it was a new conference or just a scheduling arrangement. And it was just a lot to try to figure out. So we kind of uh, punted on it and, and didn't put any of those in. But the, the WIAA was collecting uh, results from some of those games all the way up until late Friday night. There was uh, scores coming in you know, from week three and four uh, of sometimes a couple games that were played and, and sometimes some games that were uh, to be considered forfeits, uh, forfeit victories, so that process was a little bit more challenging than it usually would be. Uh, again, waiting on uh, results and things to come in. Once everything did come in, once things, uh, you know, all the information was submitted, it became apparent very quickly that there was going to be have there was going to have to be a decision made on how to move forward with splitting teams up into divisions because, as it turned out. After teams opted out and after uh, some teams uh, had to opt out because they weren't able to play, only 197 teams were left. Uh, And again, that number had been 240. This is for 11-player football. Um, 240 just a a few days earlier, and it it got down to 197 on Friday night. So the discussion became, okay, do you do seven divisions of 28 teams, which gives you 196, and then you have one left over? And what do you do with that one? Or do you do six divisions of 32 teams and you have five left over? And what do you do with those five? Because this year is different and because essentially everything was in four-team pods, you didn't really have to have exactly 32 teams in a division and, and you weren't really beholden to that. Um, so discussions kind of went back and forth on on those two and uh, the decision was made to go with six divisions of 32 and then have five left over, and, and what they decided to do was essentially add an extra pod to Division 6, so Division 6 would actually have 36 teams in it. The other five divisions would have 32 teams, and then you'd have one left over. Um, it just seemed like a better way to go about it when you have a larger pool of teams to pick from when you're looking at 32 versus 28 it gives you a little bit more flexibility in terms of how you draw the regional groupings um, you're not uh, you're not as restricted as you would have been if it was seven divisions of 28 and you, you keep kind of that familiar 32 team uh, groupings so uh, that was the decision that was made and again after you added a, a pot of four to division six, it, Meant there was one team left over, and then there was discussion about what to do with with that team. Do you have them, essentially, do a play-in game of some kind? Doesn't really fit into the schedule. You, you don't really want to, you know, split up some teams and add a, a bracket or whatever to have a bunch of teams have a bye. So the decision was made to eliminate one team to get to 100, 190. Excuse me, 196 qualifiers and. Then the discussion was, well, how do you determine that team? Uh, do, you, do you go through the various criteria of playoff qualification? And would that even matter because everybody would have lost? So because there was a number of winless teams, um, do you go by the, the seeding formula? Do you do it randomized? Um, and, and the decision was made that uh, I think there were seven teams that had not won a game. In eleven-player football, wrote all those seven teams that the WIA did on a on a piece of paper, put them in a bowl, and uh, and drew one. And that team that ended up drawing the short end of the stick, unfortunately, was Sock Prairie, uh, winless team. But um, you know that was the that was the the outcome of the the randomized draw to uh, to see who would be left out. And uh, you know the Sock Prairie. Uh, even though they were left out, they had the option to schedule a game if they could pick one up um, You know, against a team that had opted out, against a team that maybe would lose a, an opponent during the regular, uh, during the, the during the week. Uh, and sure enough, Sauk Prairie uh, was able to schedule a game with Sussex Hamilton, who had lost uh, an opponent. So it, it did work out in the end. Uh, unfortunate for Sauk Prairie that technically they were not into the postseason and, and had to wait a little bit. But uh, happy for for Coach Clay Iverson and his kids that they get another shot at it, uh, getting a, a chance to schedule that extra game. So, you know, a little bit of a sidebar, perhaps. I, I do wonder if six divisions will be the future for 11-player football. We're dwindling down in numbers for teams in 11-player to this year it was 376 or 378, somewhere in that range, uh, down from... You know, over 400 just a few years ago, uh, and this is the year that teams will declare for eight-player football by December first. So you can expect some additional teams will move from eight-player, excuse me, from 11-player to eight-player. So that number of 378 or whatever it is will be reduced further, and don't know exactly where it's going to go. If it'll go down to around 370, 360, don't don't know, um, but it will go down. And so it's uh, you know getting to the point where you're going to see some discussions, I think, of is it time to go down to six divisions of 32, which would be 192 qualifiers for the postseason from 224. Uh, it would eliminate having so many uh, teams that finish under 500 make the playoffs. Um, I do wonder if maybe they will wait a year or two, however, because, you know, this was the first year of the statewide realignment where everybody was going to be in the same boat in terms of the number of games that you're going to play to get into the playoffs. Uh, you know, previously, some teams were playing nine conference games. There were teams playing four conference games. So to, to you know, get in or guarantee a spot um, in a nine-team conference, you're looking at five victories, although four pretty much 100% will get you in. Uh, whereas you can only win, you know, have to win two games in, in, in a, uh, what was it? The Capitol South, I think it was. Um, they only had five teams. So you only had to win two games to finish two and two and get in. Uh, and, you know, the number of teams that finished under 500 had been increasing the last few years. And, you know, I, I wondered if it was a normal year with everybody kind of redesigned exactly where things would go. If, if all teams that finished three and four in conference would get in and you might have to pull in a, a two and five team or something like that, or if, uh, if you'd still have to go through the criteria or what, but is that number total number of teams dwindles down and, and let's say it's 360, 365, something like that, and you're only filling 224 spots, that tells us that it's it's pretty likely that most, if not all, three and four teams will get in. And again, you might have to then go down and and take a team that's 2-5 and to fill out the 224-team playoff bracket. So uh, they might want to see, though, if that is the case and how it plays out after this realignment before making that decision. But I I think within the next couple years, there's a pretty strong case that that's going to happen, uh, and and you would have six divisions of 11-player football and a division of 8-player football. There have also been discussions about whether there should be two divisions of 8-player football, Uh, Right now, to be eligible for the playoffs, you have to have a three-year enrollment average of 200 or below, and there are a number of teams that that do not uh, meet that mark and are thus not eligible for the playoffs. And so, they have requested some of those bigger eight-team playoff. Excuse me, eight-team eight-player teams have requested another division of eight-player for those larger teams. I I don't know if it's going to happen, but there's uh, there's been some some requests for that. I I'm just not sure if it's going to happen though. Although you know we're we're pushing, I think it was over 50. It would have been eight player teams this year, and if a few more get ga- uh, add in, you know you're getting upwards of uh, of 60 ish eight player teams potentially, and maybe that is a consideration. I don't know, but uh, I, I I do think within the next few years you're you're likely to see. Six divisions of 11 player, one division of eight player, and, uh, and kind of see where things go from there. I just don't know if it's going to be this year that they'll look at it uh, for implementation next year or if they'll wait a couple years. So the, the decision of six divisions was made, and the team ended up being Sauk Prairie was left out. So now you knew the divisional breakdowns, what teams were in which divisions, that's pretty easy to figure out when you only have to eliminate one team. Um, and, and that was published uh, by the WIAA and, and on WSN. So then the real fun began, which is always the uh, kind of the most controversial part of the whole process. And that is drawing the regional circles and, and assigning teams into regional groups. This year it was different because uh, the original intention was to break teams into groups of eight seed them, and then put the top four teams in a pod and the bottom four teams in that bracket uh, in a pod and and have them face off in in a a mini four-team tournament. However, because of the large number of teams that had opted out, it did create some challenges with that, uh, where if you tried to draw a group of eight, because so many teams had pulled out, you're really stretching those circles wider and wider than, than they even would be normally, which, you know, in some, some cases, I mean, you're, you're talking, uh, you know, several hundred miles uh, that the circumference, uh, not circumference, the, uh, the, the radius of, uh, of those circles might be going out already. And now you pull more teams out and, and it was uh, going to be a challenge to put together some of those 18 groupings just because of how spread out things would be. So kind of uh, uh, revisited uh, that idea, knowing that you're going to end up in four-team pods anyways. uh, The decision was made to kind of roughly identify an eight-team group and then uh, split into four-team pods from there prior to doing the seeding process. Um, it, It gives you a little bit more flexibility on where you can go. Tried to... You know, keep those pods regionally uh, allocated and competitively allocated. You know, it it wasn't a perfect process. It it wasn't going to be a perfect process. Um, You know, if if there's three teams that are five and two in an area, and nobody else within 200 miles of them that has a winning record, you know, it it it's hard to pull in another you know uh, higher uh, higher quality opponent. Um, so sometimes you, you kind of had to juggle that idea of regionality versus competitiveness. Um, but ultimately, you got to draw those circles somehow. And as I've said for a long time, and as the WIA has said for a long time, you know, there's, there's certainly subjectivity in that. Uh, you could have five people look at the map of a division where you have 32 qualifiers and you're trying to draw four team groups. Or in the past eight team groups, you could have five people look at it, draw it five different ways, and none of them necessarily would be wrong. They're just different. There's just different ways to look at it. Certainly, as you as you look at those maps, and I tweeted um, on on Friday night, I think it was the Division Six map. Maybe um, it hadn't been filled in yet. There was no circles drawn. It was, you know, just the the teams on on a map. as you look at the, the where the teams are and they go through and they highlight all the teams in that division on each division's map, you can see, you know, pockets and groups of teams start to form that that you know are, are pretty close together. And then it's a matter of, again, kind of navigating the process of trying to figure out if you can group some teams competitively uh, and regionally, or if you have to give a little bit more credence or weight to one of those two things. Um, Not an easy process for sure, again, especially when you're talking about uh, fewer, you know, kind of a a more spread out group of teams than you would normally have or or have had in the past. Uh, Roughly, again, try to look at it as, you know, okay, here's here's roughly eight teams here. Okay, who are the top four teams, you know, record-wise? Are they close enough that we can group them together without having to have, you know, one team drive by? Two other teams to go play a fourth team um, didn't necessarily want to do that, uh, but it all kind of comes together. And again, you can kind of see some uh, some pretty easy delineation of of where teams form together. Um, you know, and, and sometimes it's just tough. I mean, there's always outliers that are you know kind of out there that you can't really do much about and, and you'd like to be able to help them out but you know what when hurley is way up in northern wisconsin and several you know a couple hours minimum from anybody else or uh, northland pines or ashland or superior or hudson you know some of those outliers or even you know in in some cases milwaukee area teams like in i think it was division five maybe and in a lot of times it ends up being in division six Uh, you know, there's only a few teams in, in far Southeast Wisconsin that, uh, that are available to pick from. And so you got to pull some teams from somewhere else. And, you know, that's, that's the thing you understand when people look at the maps that are, that are drawn or when they, they look at the group of teams that have made it and, and they look at their team and look at, okay, who are the teams that we would be closest to? Why aren't we with those teams? And I understand that. Um, but that's looking at it from one particular point of view where, you know, you're, you're kind of the, the center of the universe and, and you're the sun and everything else radiates out from you, whereas the WIA looks at it and are looking at an entire map of, of the state with 32 different teams and trying to jigsaw them all together, which means that sometimes, you know, the, the very easy group of four that you might see around your school just to make everything else work, one of them or a couple of them has to be pulled up into a different grouping. Um, it's not—I I promise you—it's not anything that they are doing. Looking at the team involved and, and trying to punish them or or make them upset or or uh, you know have anything like that. Quite honestly, they don't they don't really care or look much at the teams. Um, a lot of times when they're doing it, they're they're looking at the you know more of the the black and white of, okay, where is this team located? Uh, what is their record in um, putting things together from there? And then it, it does become certainly shades of gray in terms of how you decide to, to split those teams up. Uh, there's no doubt that subjectivity comes into play there, but they're not looking at it and saying, okay, Team X, we're going we're gonna to screw them over and send them up to this group because we don't like them. That, that, 100%, 100% that is not the case. And I know there's some places that always feel every year disrespected or, you know, whatever from the WIA based on where they're placed or what their seed was, was going to be or whatever. Um, but I can tell you it's, it's not that way. Uh, they're, they're trying to split up 32 teams into somewhat of an equitable situation uh, without having to, uh, you know, make everybody drive all over the place. And this year was different in a, in a few other ways too. Because of how things worked and because there was no full bracket, they did not necessarily look at splitting up conference champions. In fact, they tried to, if possible, group conference champions because those are the better teams. You're trying to put together competitive groups where possible. So if you can find four really good teams to play together, perfect. You don't need to you know, try to balance things out necessarily. You're actually trying to, uh, this year only, you're trying to create imbalanced groups. You're trying to look at it and say, okay, here's four teams that are competitive that maybe don't have the greatest records. Here's four better teams that uh, will create some competitive matchups. And and that's what, you know, kind of the the goal was along with the regionality was the competitive aspect. You didn't want to have a 7-0 team playing an 0-7 team. Um, You know, it, it didn't make any sense. It was not necessary because you're not going to be going along a bracket all the way to the state championships, so uh, this year was different from that respect. Again, that that you're trying to put together actually the best, most competitive regional groupings that you can, and sometimes that means putting the four best teams right next to each other in the bracket and uh, and letting them go at it. Why not? You know, that's and that's what a lot of teams wanted as well in this year where. There's no state championship at the end of the the rainbow, so why not set up a, a situation where teams can get some really really competitive games between really outstanding teams? And you know that's that's uh, best emphasized in Division One, where a lot of people anticipated and hoped for a bracket that would include Menominee Falls, Muskego, and Franklin, and then uh, another fourth team coming in, um, and you know that would not be a mini state tournament, but it would be a very competitive group of games amongst teams that people thought were some of the best in the state. And and that fourth team that ended up being pulled in was Arrowhead. Um, unfortunately, Franklin is not able to compete. Their school went uh, virtual and their school decided to uh, not allow athletics for 14 days. So the football team got shut down. Although, uh, kind of interesting to see the the girls swimming and diving pairings come out this week, where Franklin has a couple relay teams and I believe an individual uh, swimming athlete that that will participate in the state tournament this weekend. Uh, but their football team did end up getting shut down. Um, but that was the that was you know a group that everybody wanted to see. It it did require you know a little bit of massaging. Where Menominee Falls is north of teams like the Brookfield schools and. And a couple others, perhaps, and you're pulling them down into that kind of southern Milwaukee grouping of Muskego and Franklin. Um, but you know what? Make it work. And, and that's what they did to their credit um, uh, to uh, to the WI to, you know, making that kind of a grouping happen. Even though, unfortunately, we don't get that, uh, that Franklin involvement that we had hoped for. Um, so, again... Th- you can understand where people look at it from their own perspective and say, "Why, why am I with this group? I fit better with this team or these couple of teams." Yeah. But again, that's not always the best solution when you're jigsawing together 32 teams in a division. Uh, it, something I always knew, but it, it's hard for people to understand sometimes that it, you know, the the regional process, the 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 groupings don't revolve around just their team. Um, so. You know, seeing that play out was exactly what I expected and, and how I always, uh, you know, thought that, that it worked and, and knew that it worked. So it's not a perfect process. It's never going to be perfect. There's always going to be people that feel like they are, you know, not in the best position. Understand it, but know that, you know, efforts were made to make things as, uh, as, as good as possible uh, in an imperfect world. Speaking of imperfect worlds, the the last part of the process was putting together the the actual seedings. And this year, for the first time, the WIAA was uh, utilizing an, uh, a computer-generated auto seeding process that had been developed in conjunction with the WFCA uh, the last couple years. A process that I was involved with, um, you know, a process that took a good amount of time. It took a lot of uh, uh, effort and energy and Uh, You know, thought from from a number of people, Uh, Drake Zortman and and Tony Biola were kind of heading up that that uh, committee for the WFCA uh, to fine tune it. Um, You know, a a larger committee met initially and put together some ideas of what are some things that we would like to see factored into such a formula. What things are important? What things are not important? Uh, You know, how heavily should they be weighted? kind of looked at things from a broad uh, macro concept. And then once some of those ideas were in place, it was, uh, you know, Drake Zortman did a nice job running some early ideas like that, uh, a very, very early crude formula against a couple regional groupings from the past to see what it would do, Um, a couple tweaks from that. And then uh, really the, the most important part of the whole process and most impactful part of it was actually going to the WIA office, I think it was last year at some point, early last year, uh, and, and sitting down with Eric Jock, the IT uh, person at the WIA, uh, he and, and uh, Todd Clark was in there, um, Wade Lebecki offered his insights as well, and I think Dave Anderson stopped by too, and being able to play with the dials of, okay, if, if we adjust this part of the formula a little bit. What does it do to the larger picture Uh, and and able to apply different formulas to a couple of past seasons to try to figure out, okay, you know, where is this coming in? Is this addressing issues that we feel like there are in the current coach seated process? Um, Trying to figure out how you account for differences in the strength of schedules, differences in the strength of conferences. Um, differences in, you know, a, a team that that's uh, five and two, but they they play a much bigger, uh, you know, s- schedule and, and play bigger teams. How do you compare them to a team that's six and one or seven and zero? Uh, you know, how does that all work? What do you want the outcome to be? And in the course of that day at the w, uh, WIA office, and then in some follow up conversations, uh, the the formulas were run. Uh, different variations of it were run over 20 times um, against the past couple of years of of results to see, okay, if we turn this dial just a little bit, if we adjust the weight of this criteria, how does it impact things and got it dialed in to to roughly you know kind of where um, where everybody felt comfortable and and that's the the formula that was used. now, the unfortunate part is with this year being so different, with things being so uh, screwy and messed up uh, in terms of a huge number of forfeit games and no non-conference games to to include in that process. Uh, conferences that were split up and in some teams that played no conference games, that only played non-conference games. Um, and again, going back to the idea of uh, the, the forfeits being applied, uh, you know, technically, if you got a forfeit because somebody had to cancel for COVID, or or even a team moved to the spring, and you played a replacement game, that replacement game game does not impact your record. So, you people might have noticed the the uh, official uh, team records that were posted by the WIAA on their qualifying field were very different in many cases than the records that were on our site uh, because, again, we we counted every game that was played. Uh, we, we didn't uh, disallow games from counting, and we don't have a way to, to, uh, to market so that a, a game counts for one team but not for the other. Uh, that, that is the case in some of these replacement games. So just a lot of different things added up to a situation where there were some, uh, some results that you look at from the auto-seeding, and you know, they, they don't look quite right. Uh, you you understand why teams were not happy with the seed that they got and also you know keep in mind that you're seeding four teams instead of eight as you normally would be when you seed eight teams it kind of evens itself out a little bit um you know the difference between a a three and a four seed when you have eight teams is not huge compared to if you're a three or a four when there's only four teams so, Long story short, I I just don't know how much we can extrapolate from the auto seeding results for this year because everything was so different than what you know the the planning was and, and records were different, forfeits were different, the number of teams that you're seeding is different, all of that uh, is very different this year than uh, than it normally would have been. So certainly the the plan was the WI was going to review this. Excuse me, the seeding process, and and it would be a continually reviewed and potentially updated formula to tweak it and and address any issues that might might be out there. But I just don't know if there's enough information, enough valuable information that you can take from this year's seeding results to tell you if it worked or if it didn't work or where it worked or uh, what changes might need to be made. you know, one of the things that, that you're always going to have a discussion about is head to head and and if or how that should be counted. You know, when, when coaches seated, it varied. In some groups, if it was if it was head to head, you know, that team automatically went ahead of the team that they beat. Even if, you know, the team that lost was six and one on the year and they had one upset loss to a team that was three and four, there were times where that three and four team was seated ahead of a six-and-one team, for instance. Um, just using an example. There were other groups that looked at it differently and, and considered your entire body of work and perhaps head to head was a small part of the process or or a little little bit of a tiebreaker if possible. Um, but you know, if, if a three and four team beat a six and one team, that six and one team would be seated ahead. Um ultimately after numerous conversations, probably one of the biggest conversation topics of that whole uh Seeding development process uh, determined that head-to-head wasn't going to be in play in the criteria uh, because of that reason. That again, people look at it differently, and in not sure if you should give more credit to a team just because they won head-to-head, even if their overall resume is worse. And you know, normally you're you're seeding eight teams, and so you know if if that team is six and one, and they lost to a team that's three and four. And normally, without the head-to-head in play, the six-and-one team would have been, let's say, a one seed and the three-and-four team a five seed. Okay, well, if you switch those now, does the the team that would have been the two seed and has a better resume than that three-and-four team, Like, how do, how do those come into play? Because head-to-head might only play, apply to two out of eight teams. So how do you use that to uh, apply to the other six teams in that grouping? So again, it it uh, head-to-head did not end up being in the formula, but it could be reviewed and, and could be tweaked a little bit. Um, but again, long story short, this year with the auto seeding, uh, we just don't know uh, enough to tell whether it, it worked or didn't, whether it was better or not, whether it needs to be changed, tweaked, or updated in some fashion. We might have to wait until 2021 or, or a couple of years worth of data is in to uh to, to see what needs to be changed. And again, this, this was run against the last couple of years of playoff, uh, uh, information and, um, you know, run against compared to what the seed results were, uh, by the coaches for the last couple of years. And, uh, you know, it was, it was well researched and, and, and everything, um, and, and applied before coming into this year. So, uh, that's kind of how things went and, and, you know, it ended up being a late night, probably a little bit later than, than we anticipated knowing that you didn't have to apply all the criteria, but drawing the regional groupings takes time. You know, you, you've got to go through and review it and, and, uh, you know, the, the WI staff draws the groupings. Uh, we, uh, myself and Tony Biolo, the, the WFCA representatives provided some feedback, you know, it, again, you can look at it five different uh, for five different people and see five different things, and that's okay. There were some you know, things that, that, uh, that we looked at and thought, you know, maybe you could do something here, but after looking at it further, uh, you, know, you just can't find a better option. There were some things that we looked at and said, hey, you know, maybe consider this, and they did. Uh, but uh, you know, it's just one of those processes that takes a little bit of time. The auto seating took a little bit longer this year uh, than it probably would usually because, again, you had to wait on so many of those results. You had to wait on uh, some of those final pieces of information to come in. Um, you know, had to tweak some things within the database to account for all of the forfeits and different things. Uh, so, uh, you know, it, it, it took a little bit longer than normal. The, the idea, hopefully, uh, that the WI would like to work on is that they can develop that database uh, enough to the point where a computer, uh, once all the results are in, the computer would actually put together the best uh, regional groupings, taking into account whatever factors you give it, splitting up conference champions or or whatever it might be, uh, to where you you it's all done automatically. The seating is then done done automatically, and, and everything actually goes through that computer process and. You take a lot of the time out of, um, out of that process, and and everything might be done by eleven o'clock, you know, instead of uh, two or three o'clock as it usually is waiting for some of that information. So, um, that's that's the hope. It's probably a few years down the road as the WI has laid out, but eventually that that might be where we get is it's uh, it's all done automatically, and, and it saves a lot of people a lot of headache and it saves a lot of extra work. Um, you know, it, it takes out some of the subjectivity in terms of how you draw those regional groupings. Um, I'm sure there'll be, you know, disagreements about what the results are, but at least, uh, you know, you're you're removing that that human element potentially. So all in all, it was an interesting night. It reinforced a lot of the things that I knew and thought about how the process worked. It was nice to actually see it in place. Uh, for the record, I was not the first media member that's that's gone up there and, and, and examined and, and uh, watched that process. Uh, a few years ago J.R. Radcliffe, our, our good friend from uh, at the time um, now publications and now the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel, he went up and, uh, and just uh, watched and, and uh, you know was, was uh, an observer of the, the process. Um, he wasn't involved per se as as I was this year as a WFCA rep, but um, you know my my role up there again was as a, a representative of the WFCA. It wasn't to, you know, uh, I did post a couple of updates during the night, but I wasn't, you know, trying to scoop any anything or or anything like that. It was uh, you know just be involved in the process as a, as a representative of the WFCA, and then where available. Post the information once it was actually released by the WIAA. So, a, an interesting night. Uh, we'll see if it's something that uh, I get to be involved with in the future. Uh, if not, you know, not a big deal by any means. Uh, I've got plenty of work that I can can do as uh, as our, our regular WSN work. Um, but it was it was good to to see kind of how that all worked in in uh, in person and uh, good to see a, a few of the folks from the WIAA and, and Tony Biolo. You know, it's been a while since uh, since we've seen. Uh, seen each other and seen a lot of those people in person. Uh, going back to, I guess it would be March. Um, everything since then has has been virtual. So good to uh, good to get back out and and see uh, see some people. So the playoffs are set now. Um, everything's in place. Everything's going smoothly, right? Well, as expected, we've got some issues with uh, with some teams having to drop out. Unfortunately, um, I'll just use I'll, I'll use that word. Unfortunately. There were a couple of teams that opted into the playoffs after the brackets came out, then made the decision to opt out and, and cancel their game. Um, I, I don't know the details of all the reasons why uh, you know, it, it sounded like in a couple of cases, maybe there was some miscommunication or you know whatever, um, but you know, I, I think everybody would have preferred that the teams that opted in, Stayed in unless they had to drop out, uh, but that wasn't the case in a couple situations. So uh, we'll we'll kind of leave it there. And then there have been some teams that, as as expected, have had to to drop out after dealing with some COVID issues, uh, whether it's contact tracing or you know too many kids in quarantine or or perhaps a positive case here or there. The most of the time it is contact tracing though. You know you, you lose uh, eight or ten kids at some places from contact tracing. That have to go into quarantine, and all of a sudden, you, you don't really have, you know, a, a competitive team that you can put out there. So uh, it just kind of depends on the school, depends on the situation. Everybody's a little bit different. Again, Franklin, even though they had no issues, uh, because of their school uh, situation and, and you know the the requirements that they had and and what they were looking at doing with schooling, going to virtual, uh, decided that they needed to uh, to cancel sports and pull out. It's been interesting to note there's, there's been a few more teams that have gone to, or excuse me, schools that have gone to virtual the last uh, week or so. And, uh, and a number of those are continuing to offer sports opportunities uh, and, and allow extracurriculars to continue even as they go virtual. Um, so, you know, we, we're, uh, we're not in an unexpected place in terms of the number of teams that have, have had to cancel. In fact, perhaps, knock on wood, as we sit here on Wednesday, Maybe even a little bit better than what we would be in most weeks, and, and that's helped by the fact that some of the teams that would have had issues and would have had to cancel this week if they were playing, actually did opt out because they knew that they would not be able to play this week. Um, but we're uh, you know we're we're not sitting too bad compared to most weeks. We'll see what what the next couple days bring, of course. Um, not going to go into real in-depth review of of. Uh, of the matchups per se, you can find all of that on wissports.net, on our division previews, where we break down, uh, you know, kind of what the result of the, the placements were, uh, some 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 thoughts on that, the top players to watch in each division, the best game in each division, some some interesting potential matchups for level two, uh, my picks for who will win each of these games as well. Uh, all those things uh, can can be found in our previews on Wisports.net, So make sure you check that out. They do require a WSN extra subscription. If you don't have one by now, get one. It's the the best uh, value that you're going to find in any subscription. Uh, half the price of you know rivals and in twenty four seven and all those out there. Half the price of some other competitors in the market. You know less than most mega excuse me newspaper subscriptions. Um, and, and information that you're not going to find anywhere and you know, not only do you get football uh, access to football information, but you get access to all WSN Extra sc- uh, content on our site, including girls basketball, which is uh, starting very soon. Norbert Durst has started his conference preview, so you can check those out with that subscription. Mark Miller is uh, getting deep into preview information for the uh, boys' basketball season, whatever that will look like. So you can read all about boys' basketball stuff from Mark Miller, uh, an incredible, incredible value at what four bucks a month, something like that? Uh, You'll be hard pressed to find a better value than that. And you know, I I know that uh, times are tough and and things are lean for some people, but uh, you know, it's it's pretty reasonable when you look at it. So uh, if you haven't yet, get yourself a WSN Extra subscription, and you're all set to go. We will have some more information coming out this week. We'll have uh, we'll wrap up our, our division previews. We'll certainly keep people updated on any. Uh, game changes, any cancellations, any rescheduled games, all of that good stuff. You can find all of the results coming in on uh, on Friday night. Be sure to follow me at Travis WSN. Follow our our uh, our scores Twitter account, Football WSN, on Twitter, uh, where you'll get final scores right in your timeline as they go final. And uh, you know we'll we'll then be re- kind of breaking down things over the weekend, getting into uh, you know what happened and and all kinds of goodies. And of course, again, Mark and Norbert are, uh, are getting geared up for whatever that basketball season will look like as well. That's a whole different conversation that we'll look forward to having with them very soon. However, this has been a WIS podcast. I'm Travis Wilson. We'll see you at a game.